Iowa everywhere. John Miller, Chris Williams, from the Channel Seed Studios, it's Miller and Williams, presented by Wild Rose Casino and Hotel. Three locations in Iowa, three times the fun. You'd rather be here. This is Iowa Everywhere. Hello, friends. Happy New Year. Been a while since we've been in the studio here. My name is Chris Williams. I'm joined by John Miller. It is Miller and Williams. We are in the Channel Seed Studios. Happy 2024. Um, not a happy start to the new year for John Miller's Iowa Hawkeyes. And that's what we are here to do today to discuss that beatdown. It's still the Florida Citrus Bowl to me, baby. It was. I was trying to explain this to my wife. Like She's like, oh, I thought we were in the Cheez-It Bowl talking about Iowa State. I'm like, no, well, right. that's a different game. She's like, well, they run around like that Pop Tart was, and I was like, yeah, it's the same ownership. It's really hard to explain. They're they're just like moving their thing around. I'm like, this is the Citrus Bowl. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. How are you, John? Pop the Pop Tarts. Uh, I'm good, buddy. Um, I was envious of the Pop Tarts. That would have been some really good media swag because I'm a lifelong oh, yeah. devotee of the uh, of the brown sugar Pop Tart. Um, great stuff. Interesting. And, but then again, I like the spicy. Uh, zangy, zesty cheese. It's myself as well. So loved them both. Loved them. I both. Actually, yeah. I brought back on a flight, and it's hard to do. My commemorative cheese it box, commemorating Iowa State versus Clemson from that game because mm-hmm. it's cool. It's like, it. what else am I going to get? A cheese? Like that's something when I die. Like my grandkids are going to be like, what in the hell? Oh yeah. Grandpa, he was at the. Uh, he's covering that game that one year, right? Like that's a cool thing. You probably have dozens and dozens and dozens of really unique things that nobody can buy that you've just got from things like that. And uh, I had that too. And when we moved to Oklahoma back in 2013 from Des Moines, I gave every poster, everything I had, every trinket, I gave them to a friend of mine, Steve Kester. And he has Iowa schedule posters dating back to like the early 1980s that I gave him that I was given those by the wife of my barber as a child who died. Anyway, so you're loaded with the trinkets. I know exactly yeah. what you have. And I was actually going to ask you because, you you know, before we started this, you had to step away for a few minutes. And I was kind of looking around your office and I like is that like a really cool tricked out train collection that you have behind you? Is that a bunch of choo-choo trains? Uh, no, those are die cast race cars. Oh, even better. Yeah. Those are yeah. cool. Do the kids uh, ever pull those down? No, my kids know that it, that's, that's where daddy brings out the switch. <laughs> Go get me that Willow switch, honey. It's time to take <laughs> your whooping. So here's my thing with that. I swear we'll get into the game. Uh, speaking of Iowa, cause I have really cool, Hawkeye memorabilia up here. I don't have it all displayed, but my uncle was a crazed Iowa fan. Right. And he that. has the old Coca-Cola bottles from all the Iowa bowl games in like the eighties mm-hmm. and nineties. Yeah. Like the I glass guess. ones. And then he has the rocks glasses from every Iowa bowl game in the eighties and nineties that I, I got when he died. Well, so when he died, I'm going through like, you know, he didn't have any kids, so it's kind of on me in this sense. And my my dad, like his his brother, and like we're we're just going through all this stuff, and he left me all of his race cars. Mm. And 
it got my <clears throat> so my dad and I have always had a little smaller collection. And then when he died, it kind of like got my itch going again. So I, I started buying ones that I That's awesome. That's so awesome. So, someday somebody in my life is going to have because I have them all now and they are in a storage unit in Ankeny and all needed to be go gone through when I have time. I have tens of thousands of NASCAR diecasts along mm. with Iowa Hawkeye. There was th somebody's going to know this and, and you might too, John. Some company in Eastern Iowa made Iowa Hawkeye like diecast cars. They are not in business anymore. These things are antiques. I bet I have a hundred of them in this storage unit in Ankeny. Wow. And it's one of you those said, deals. You said it's tens of thousands? Of NASCAR diecast, yes. Wow. Boxes wow. upon boxes. I had to buy a storage unit. It's the only way I could store these things. That's insane, dude. That's insane. But he's got all these Iowa ones. Like It's like, oh... Uh, Here's a Iowa Hawkeye Ford Mustang. Here's a coupe. Here's, and it's like they're old school. They've got the old like Tiger Hawk on them, you know, the, not the Tiger Hawk, the old Hawkeye. I mean, okay. I'm thinking really old yeah. school. 19, the 1970s era Hawk. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's the, the rocks glasses are really cool, especially the Rose Bowl ones. Like those things are, if I were an Iowa fan, like I would be, I would think and it's one of those deals where it's like, I bet you I could sell them for a hell of a lot of money, but I don't know if I want to you do could. that. No, if I no, put those yet. things up on Twitter, somebody would take them off my hands for sure. For sure. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. I wish I Anyways. hadn't given all my collection away uh, in hindsight, but you know what? I have, I know this. I have two boxes over there with every credential and all that. And it is a total mess at some point. Maybe I'll, tear through those things anyways we are uh, miller and williams we are presented by our friends at wild rose casinos in clinton emmitsburg and jefferson uh kelderman manufacturing brought the hawkeye sun the hawkeye sunday program all year long and uh that's with john miller and i i just texted john today and i was like yeah i don't think you're probably gonna want to do this one alone this really it's like with i i have i'm conflicted here because I, I really don't think today's outcome means anything for the future of the program because it's like brian's yeah. gone like i this offensive coordinator hired and, and i'm just questioning how much that even means especially after watching today where it's just like tennessee has no like the, you know it's just backups across the board defensively for tennessee and you would think like oh it's his last game maybe they'll go out trying and no nah, not really nothing changed and then they bring I'm scared you, Ross. John, the true freshman in, and he's he's bopping and scatting all over the field like Tommy Frazier out there, and everybody's amped right. up about that. Right. Um, the biggest takeaway I have though that means anything for this season: Iowa outscored ninety-two to nothing by ranked teams in the 2023 season. There you go. Put it on a tee for you. Yeah, that is. There's a couple more things I want to stats I want to read out, and then we'll kind of I'll dive in. Uh, Brendan Styles, my friend, tweeted out: Iowa was shut out three times this season. The last time Iowa was shut out three times in one year was 1972. Uh, I was one year old, and I'm going to be 53 uh, in a couple months. Um, Matt Brown, Power Five team, shut out three plus times in one season since 2000. 
Iowa this year. Rutgers in 2019, that Rutgers team went 2-10. Uh, 2016 Rutgers also went 2-10. 2008 uh, Wazoo went 2-11. 2006 Duke 0-12. 2002 Baylor 3-9. 2001 Rutgers 2-9. And, and 2000 Baylor 2-9. Iowa went 10-4. which That's wild. Yay. Yay. Uh, Chris Vanini, Iowa's drive to 325 ends at 216 points. Uh, they needed to average 25 to save Brian's job. They ended up at 15.4, and they only scored more than 25 twice. And as we know, they got shut out three times. Uh, someone named uh, Sheehan Jaraja. I'm not sure. Sorry, Sheehan. Um, Iowa against three ranked opponents this year, as you mentioned, 92 to nothing. They were outscored. They totaled 404 yards of offense in three of those in those three games. 404 total, um, and they averaged 134.7 yards in those three games. 1.9 yards per carry, 2.7 per play, and as he said, historic ineptitude. I would agree, Sheehan. Um, and then uh, this quote from th- this was from Josh Dubow. Don't know him, but he's from the AP. Um, Iowa's season uh, finished with 1,220 more yards punting than the offense gained. And no other FBS team this season had more punting yards than offensive yards. Iowa had 1,220 more. So I'm glad that we're together today. So I just didn't just talk and say the same stuff I've been saying after most of the games this year. Now I'll just do that together, and we'll riff off of each other. Um, yeah, Brian's done, not an offensive coordinator. Uh, the problem is, is the problems are worse than Brian, way worse. This is an antiquated system and scheme. It is unlikely to change a great deal next year. A lot of folks, and we'll probably talk about Marco Linez a little bit, a lot of folks saw that. They're really excited. I would warn you, obviously do what you want to do. I wouldn't get too excited. Yeah. Um, I I don't think things are going to change, and your number one quarterback next year is a guy who will not be able to extend plays with his legs. We Can I make that an argument already. that this Linus should start over McNamara? Is that fair? You could make it. Go, go ahead and give it a shot. Um, I mean, I don't, made I don't the know argument. enough. I'm just saying, at least he can get out and move like that. But it. Right. We don't know enough about his arm. We, we don't know enough about his passing. He was basically put in, and I was going empty on first and second downs, which is, you know what? Don't do that. You're not going to win the game. At that, when he came in, it was 28 nothing. You're dead. You're done. Run your offense. Let him run the offense. Don't put him back there in four wide, five wide, empty backfields when Tennessee's just going to pin their ears back and come back and get him. And yeah, he was effective scrambling. That's great, but that isn't an offense. That yeah, is it's not what they're going to do either. No matter no, who the new no. coordinator is, they're not doing no, that. No, no. He's running for his life is what that was. But it's nice to see that he can run. And, again, I would never have another quarterback on the field of my college team, if I were a coach, who couldn't extend plays with his feet. And we know Cade McNamara next year won't be able to do that. So I'm already not excited about that. I'm excited Luke Lachey is coming back. Glad that Jay Higgins is coming back. Would be fun to see a couple more come back. But ultimately, this offensive line can't really run block all that well. They were decent this year in pass protection, but Iowa hasn't had an Iowa standard offensive line for probably four or five years at a minimum. And I don't know what they're going to do there. Um, You know, 
Iowa's going to return, you know, a lot of production. That's great. And, yes, they did win 10 games. And Kirk said afterwards, I'll read a quote from Adam Jacoby, saying, I'd encourage everyone to step back. It was a 10-win season. We were the Big Ten West champs. Kirk is absolutely right. And I know that many of you listening, watching to this are going to say, yeah, John, I agree with him. And that's okay. It's okay to have that opinion. Me personally, listen, 10-win seasons, that's never going to be something that you like totally don't respect and appreciate. But, man, if you ask me, John, what are your three favorite plays from this year? I'd have to first sit down and think really hard because this season was such a boring just trudge through the mud that I don't remember any of it. It all rolls together into an ugly miasma of pain and suffering from a sports fan's perspective. There's obviously real pain and suffering going on in the world, but I don't know, Chris, I don't know what is, I don't have a ton of optimism. Um, that's what happens when you get your ass kicked in a bowl game like that. Well, I, I know the feeling. You do, and I was watching some of the Iowa State fallout because I don't try to reply to that anymore because nobody, you know, what am I doing there? But it's like, you know, your quarterback had a bad game. wasn't a great day. But – and it's interesting because Iowa's – you know, Iowa's offense is what it is. We all – you know, I, I, I went out. I was talking with my buddy Billy Love today. We decided to watch the game. And, you know, Linez came in. His name's Billy And I'm like, Love. Billy, we don't – Billy Love, he's he's a former quarterback, really good lifelong friend of mine, uh, just a football genius, really, and uh, in his own mind. But we were talking about Linez, and I'm like, dude, we don't know if he can throw. And he looks at me stone cold, cold sober and says, John, we know that Deacon Hill can't throw. I'm like, fair, fair. Linez should have been in there the whole time. Deacon Hill's like statistic, like what did he have? Eleven fumbles, seven interceptions. I mean, horrible. The thing of the Deacon Hill thing that just is just mind blowing. Deacon Hill's mere existence should disqualify this Bud Meyer guy from any consideration with the offensive coordinator position. Because anyone like, who recommended Deacon Hill should be out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's still there. Like Deacon Hill was like buried on the Wisconsin scout team. Dude had nobody on bus tickets to Fordham. He was yeah, nobody else wanted go. this guy. Literally nobody else wanted this guy. And like, I mean, should we all, I was surprised at how the game went today for what it's worth, because I thought, I thought Tennessee was going to end up being one of those teams that really didn't want to be there. Ton of opt outs transfer, you know, like it, it, it screamed like a culture type deal for Iowa where they keep this thing close and they muddy it up. And I was dead wrong. And I got to thinking hindsight, why like, they still have SEC athletes across the field, right? Like, are, only, should we at all be surprised that Deacon Hill looked that terrible against that team? Oh, well, I mean, you would have thought that another few weeks of practice would have helped him out. He looked like the same guy that he's looked like all what year What are they long. doing, though? You know, like, I don't know. Like, it, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. They're getting paid a lot of money. <laughs> they miraculously won 10 games, which, okay. But that... But the the it's it's amazing that they won ten games with the worst offense in the modern era of college football. So what are they doing? I don't know, but I don't really want to stick around to keep watching it. If at any point in time next year Deacon Hill takes snaps, I'm Big done. Deacon Energy. 
Wow. I'm turning the game off, and I won't watch anymore for that season. So you may want to have somebody warming up on the bench for the Instant Reaction podcasts next year. What's right? interesting, though, is so Petrus is going to Utah State. And I don't know what Utah State is, but I, 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 I certainly don't think that Petrus is in a spot where he just walks in and is the starter there. Let me ask yeah, you I, this. Yeah, I'm not familiar with their depth chart. Could Deacon Hill play for anybody else in the country? I think the answer is no. And I would also say, like, even at like a D2 level, like FBS, we know, we agree, it's not a chance. Like maybe FCS, like a bad FCS program, but but he's so inaccurate. Yeah, he's so. Yeah, I mean that's my that's my whole point. Like when you're just stacking it up and looking at these guys. And Kirk said I mean, this week, that, you know, that your last two guys, and I'm throwing McNamara out because of the injury, right? Right. But like, I, I mean, maybe, maybe Petrus ends up getting the start at Utah State. I would be surprised at that at that level in the Mountain West. I mean, you have a lot of athletes at quarterback that are just running around and making plays. I mean, that's that's a lot of what mid-major type football is. I would right. be surprised at this point, not knowing anything about their roster, if Deacon Hill or if. Petrus is a starter. So my point is, your last two quarterbacks, literally, we don't think could play anywhere else in college football. Correct. Yeah, and I don't I, even. I, like, I think. I think that's true. Um, leave, Le- Utah State senior quarterback Levi Williams will skip senior season, so there will be an opening there next year. Whether or not Spencer can win, I hope he does. But yeah, yeah, it'd be good for him. I'm not rooting against it. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Again, the thing, the thing about Deacon, I don't even like. I don't even like having these conversations. Because, yeah, he's he's not good enough to play quarterback in the Big Ten or the Big 12 or any of them. But he is only doing he, – he was given an opportunity. He'd be silly not to take it, and he took it. Then he was given an opportunity to play and continue to be trotted out there. What's he going to do? Coach, I feel like I'm hurting the team. Don't put me out. No, it's not going to happen. So none of this is like Deacon Hill personal slander. It's just objective analysis that he's not – an FBS quarterback, and the fact that Iowa had him out there for eight games as an FBS quarterback, or, or almost eight, or however many it was for Deacon, is an indictment of their quarterback development, and it's an indictment of their offensive program. It's just another indictment of what has already been indicted more times than – I won't go there, but it's indicting. It's horrible, and yes, Iowa's going to have a new offensive coordinator next year. I wish I had the optimism – that that was going to change things. I will believe it when I see it because it's still Kirk's offense. My guess is I kind of – Pat Vint is the one that kind of he, – he wrote about this. Maybe Pat Hardy also talked about it. I think the Joe Philbin uh, as the offense coordinator stuff, that's who the horse I would bet on. And if Joe Philbin is the offensive coordinator, now I know I'm going to say something I've been saying for two years and I've been wrong. I'll be right eventually. If Joe Philbin's the offensive coordinator, that almost makes me think that next year could be the last ride, but I've been wrong about that so many times I probably should stop talking about it. An old buddy who was there when he started the program at Iowa, give him another million-dollar pay grade. He was doing some he was doing some, uh, you know, accounting work or whatever for Ohio State this year, or analyst work. And it's a guy that he was an assistant coach with back when they were all in their late 20s and early 30s and working for Ken O'Keefe at Worcester Academy and all that stuff. 
that seems like the move that Kirk's going to make. And do you think Joe Philbin's going to say no to Kirk? No, I don't think Joe Philbin's going to say no to I Kirk. If Brian Ferentz didn't get his change and listen, it's not going to happen. Dana Holgerson's available. Dana is right there. Right there. Iowa available. Native. Power five head coach experience. One of the great offensive coordinators. One of the great offensive minds of the last 25 years. He's right there. And then you could, let's, let, yeah. Let's say if you were our friends over at Wild Rose, and that, what, what would you put the odds on that Dana Holgerson <laughs> gets hired by Kirk? Plus nine thousand. Yeah. He would make the board just to get sucker money. That that would be it. Somebody's <laughs> like, oh, that's the value play, right? William right, says he's like, an Iowa guy. Yeah, yeah. Colorado for national championship. That kind of early season numbers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it. it, it there, there's obviously mm. nothing from today's bowl game that's that's much worth debating and discussing in the grand scheme of things. Cause I think we're no. all kind of in the grand scheme of things right now. And I just, you know, I just wish I could be more optimistic. I want to be, I'm a, I'm an optimist. That is my nature is to find the bright side. I can't find the bright side with Iowa's offense looking forward. Not, not, I thought last year was going to be the bottom and the year before last year, when they also went 10 and four and they lost to Kentucky in the, at a bowl game. Um, I was that podcast. If you go back and listen to that, I was pissed. I was down. Little did I know that offense was that offense probably could have hung in enough today to keep Iowa in the game. When Iowa was down twenty-one to nothing, one. I mean, Deacon Hill turned the ball over inside his own ten. He had another fumble that set them up. I mean, and Tennessee was moving the ball. I'm not I'm trying to say Iowa was stonewalling them, but it's it's a seven nothing game. And Deacon Hill threw an interception in the end zone when Iowa was on the two yard line. So this thing, even with Spencer Petras at quarterback, I think Iowa had a shot in this game. Still would have probably lost. Tennessee's a more talented team on both sides of the ball, but it's just like I don't know, Chris. Man, I, I really don't know. And. Well, that, that- the one problem I would have if I'm an Iowa fan today is because all the other stuff doesn't matter, right? Like n- none of that because Brian Ferentz is gone, whatever. The issue I would have is that Ferentz appears to be one of those guys that still actually values these bowl games. Like they still matter to him and he's talked very openly about it. A lot of these old school guys are like that. Mac Brown's like that, you know, these, whereas like, you know, you watch some of these, they don't care. Like Mike Norvell in Florida State, they just literally showed up to the Orange Bowl and that's it. They, It's all about the portal. It's all about next year already. And you went head-to-head with no opt-outs with a team that was playing a true freshman quarterback that had never played before. And, it, you know, half their defense was out and they just beat the shit out of you. You know, that just show. I, I, I'm not rubbing it in. My point is that's how far Iowa is away from being one of those. The, uh, some people will say that. It, it And the, the point I make is unless they have big changes, there's more and more Tennessee-like teams that are coming to the Big Ten. I've been trying to make this point for a couple years now. And this the Big Ten West, man, you're just not going to be able to hide there with all these like-minded teams anymore. And this was just another example of it. Like... And who knows? Maybe Heupel was really into today's game. I do think that they took this as a huge opportunity for this new quarterback. In fact, I no, wouldn't even be no surprised. Question. They may have told Joe Milton, hey, you know what, man? Thanks for all you've done. We'd like to give him 
this to propel us into next season. I don't know that, obviously, but it, it felt like Tennessee was using this for that purpose to really build upon next year. But the fact remains, you know, that was a shell of a Tennessee team that went eight and four this year. Yeah, and, and Iowa still only managed 173 yards of offense, and 51 of those were Marco Linez rushing yards. Yeah. And a, a, against against a skeleton crew defense from Tennessee. Um, all these things you bring up just continue to make me more frustrated, but it is what it is. Um, and I, I do think the, the Bulls, I think, still matter from a standpoint of if you're thinking about developing, giving young people opportunities, especially in this era of opt-outs it gives you almost an additional spring ball and those guys are actually going to get a reward and be able to go out there and play. So I think there is merit and value from that standpoint, from an Iowa standpoint, as far as the, the, the portal, a lot of these other programs are already moving on. They're already big active players in the portal. I think before the kickoff today, Iowa had like 80 scholarship, 87 scholarship players that could potentially be back next year and only 85 scholarships. So I think that number is going to change here pretty quick. And and Iowa will have some, a couple of holes to fill, but I don't think Iowa is going to have a number of holes to fill. Their timeline's so different. Like it, it, it's impressive to me. It's impressive to me that they still value the, like because of the second semester thing, you know, most of these guys who are going to transfer have already gone. I would say this. If there is any type of silver lining relative to forward looking right now, it is that you see the Florida State game and how many opt outs they had. You look at all these bulls, these teams yeah. are probably all averaging six to 10 opt outs uh, a, 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 a club. Iowa had the worst offense that any of us can ever remember in the modern era of football. And Iowa didn't really have many opt-outs. The opt-outs they've had are guys that are transferring out of the program. It's like two or three, and they weren't yeah. really, you know, big contributors. The culture within that program it mm-hmm. remains incredibly strong despite the malaise of the offense. And these guys, you know, Jay Higgins is coming back. He's signing up for more of it. Um, Luke Lachey. Coming back, signing up for more of it. It just speaks to the culture there in that program. These players love and respect Kirk Ferentz at an incredibly high level, even if the rest of the outside world from the fandoms kind of getting bored and tired a little bit, even though I think most people still respect Kirk. The culture is incredibly strong. I would also say that that for Georgia. Georgia didn't yeah. have a ton of opt-outs for that game, despite, you know, they they ain't coming back to play for for a bowl game that wasn't a playoff when they went back to back. That's a really strong culture too. So that's the only silver lining I've got. Yeah. I don't think most people are looking for it. Um, th- it'll be an interesting couple of weeks though. I mean, I'm assuming we're going to start to hear more about the the coordinator stuff and, and then our show will start to get really fun. Cause we don't have to talk about football anymore. No baby. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to write out a list off season topics Yes, and you should do- send, Yep, I'm going to write a long list, and then you can look over them, choose that. I want to do this. Yeah, okay, let's do that. And then we'll. And then you say okay, and we can kind of plan out like our, our schedule, so we can both do a little more research on some of these things we're going to talk about. Yes, absolutely. We're going, to, we're going to the deep end of the pool. Well, and believe it or not, we don't ever talk about this. Our show gets really good numbers. Like it, it, it get a lot of people listen to this. So, and I, I don't know, like I, 
I'm sure there's some OGs that just like to hear you talking Hawkeyes, but I, I think most people like the banter from the from the feedback. Oh, I think yeah, I think yeah. I mean, as we both know, we both done this long enough. When you have two people in a show, it really, really can click if both people trust each other, and and you have to have that trust because you're gonna you're gonna give each other crap, and that's that's yes. when it's good. So you know what? Um, I'm gonna get the guy from Skinwalker Ranch lined up. Yes. We'll have him on, and and away we go, baby. Away we go. Hell yeah! I'm fired up for the Skinwalker Ranch episode. I can't wait. Yeah. All right. Oh, John, way, happy new year. Fo- hey, to you as well. Real quick, quick follow-up. Haven't had any spookiness around the house since you and I oh, talked that one time. Really? So you think that the uh, spirit knows we're on to it? Either that or just wants to play nice. It appreciated the invitation that I gave it. You know? We'll see. I still want to get my hunting friends down to Kansas City to do a little uh, scope of the house. Do you think your wife would help? be okay with that? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Why not? Don't you want to know what's going on there? No, I have. I I'm not threatened. I feel no uh, malevolence. Here's what will happen. I'm gonna get Veliska Johnny lined up. Okay. And I don't want any Veliska crap around here. I'm gonna swing by Veliska Johnny's place. He'll probably be down there at the Shittily D in Clarendon. We'll pick him up on the way down to Highway 71. And we'll just get a couple of his buddies from the Malvern Manor. And me and the boys are going to do a little road trip down to Kansas City. Show, you know what? Within two blocks of my house, there is a legit replica of the Ghostbusters uh, station wagon. So that's what I think when you guys are going to trip down here. But l- let's let's maybe not just surprise me like that because I hate to see you make a trip and all that. But hey, wait, wait, wait. Are you going to spend some time here? Yeah. Would your wife let me and Velisca Johnny and the guys from Malvern all stay at your house? No, I wouldn't either. Hey, sweetheart, uh, we're going to do a hunt. uh, So you're going to have to leave for two nights. You know what? She's going to be gone for three weeks in February. So what mama don't know, don't hurt her, right? (laughs) (laughs) But I got the 14-year-old here. so she And she is a mark. She's a freaking narc. Yeah, she's the problem. Right. All right. Love you, man. Happy New Year. Thanks to everybody for listening. We appreciate it. And uh, hope you enjoyed the game today, I guess. That sounded really jerky coming from an Iowa State. Hey, but I took my lumps earlier this week, too. So, you know what? Screw it. Have a great 2024. Iowa everywhere.